And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commitments hang all the law and the prophets. Holy God, holy and mighty, holy immortal one, have compassion upon us. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Merciful God, who sent your messengers, the prophets, to teach repentance and prepare the way for our salvation. Give us grace to heed their warnings and forsake our sin, that we may greet with joy the coming of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. As you're being seated, children are invited to Children's Chapel with Mr. Ellis. from Baruch. Take off the garment of your sorrow and affliction, O Jerusalem, and put on forever the beauty of the glory from God. Put on the robe of righteousness that comes from God. Put on your head the diadem of the glory of the everlasting, for God will show your splendor everywhere under heaven. For God will give you evermore the name, righteous peace, godly glory. Arise, O Jerusalem, Stand up, pawn the height, look toward the east, and see your children gathered from west and east at the word of the Holy One, rejoicing that God has remembered them. For they went out from you on foot, led away by their enemies, but God will bring them back to you, carried in glory as on a royal throne. For God has ordered that every high mountain and the everlasting hills shall be made low, and the valleys filled up to make level ground, so that Israel may walk safely in the glory of God. The woods and every fragrant tree have shaded Israel at God's command. For God will lead Israel with joy in the light of his glory, with the mercy and righteousness that come from him. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people.
A reading from Isaiah. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. With righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the ass, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Please join me as we read Canticle 16, the Song of Zechariah, responsibly by the half verse. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. God has come to the people and set them free. God has raised up for us a mighty Savior. Born of the house of David. Through the holy prophets promised of old that God would save us from our enemies. From the hands of all the God promised to show mercy to our parents. And to remember the holy covenant. This was the oath God swore to Abraham, Sarah, Hagar, and Keturah. To set us free from the hands of our enemies. Free to worship God without fear. Holy and righteous in the sight of all the days of our life. You, my child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare the way. To give people knowledge of salvation. By the forgiveness of their sins. In the tender compassion of our God. The dawn from on high shall break upon us. To shine on those who dwell in darkness and in the shadow of death. And to guide our feet in the way of peace. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Isaiah. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us, Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. 
The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Philippians. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you, because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you, because you hold me in your heart. For all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I long for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you to determine what is best, so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God.
A reading from Romans. For the creation wakes with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves. We have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly while we await for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Second Epistle of Peter. The Lord, Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people.
Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory be to thee, O Lord. In the fifteenth year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, ruler of Avelina, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Please be seated. All right, so i got to warn you, there's a lot to do today. <laughs> it's Lessons and Carols, it's Advent too, and we live the Hanukkah, which means I better talk about it. So uh, let's start there. This is the sixth day of Hanukkah, and our Jewish brothers and sisters begin time in the evening. So actually the seventh day, not the seventh evening, the seventh day of Hanukkah begins tonight when you can see three stars in the sky. And tomorrow night will be the eighth day of Hanukkah. Many people didn't realize this is not a menorah. A menorah holds seven candles and it belongs at a synagogue or a temple. This is called a Hanukkiah because it goes with Hanukkah. You see that there are nine. The one in the middle is called a Shemesh and you use it to light the other eight. The story of Hanukkah, really briefly, because a lot of people then uh, don't know it, is that once upon a time, there was an overzealous Greek tyrant called Antiochus Epiphanes IV, who decided that the Greek way of life was superior to any other way of life on the planet, and he made practicing indigenous Hebrew religion punishable by death. So if you had a piece of the Torah, it was burned along with you. If you circumcised your children, you wore them on your neck until you were killed the next day. And Antiochus did what the book of Daniel calls the abomination that causes desolation. He sacrificed a pig to the god Zeus in the Holy of Holies in the Jerusalem temple. Around 169 BCE, all of this happened, and our Jewish brothers and sisters decided they had had enough of the sacrilege, that is, profaning sacred things. And so they mounted a guerrilla-style rebellion. Think about the way George Washington fought the British. Not face-to-face, -face, they had lost. Hit and run, fly by night. They actually were successful in the year 167. They were closing in on the holy city of Jerusalem and the temple, and they were hoping to celebrate one of the high holy festivals called tabernacles or booths. In Hebrew, this is the word Sukkot. It's an eight-day celebration. They wanted to do it in the temple in September when you're meant to do it. They didn't get into Jerusalem till December. So they had Sukkot two months late. That's all Hanukkah is, two months late. The bit about the candles is it takes some time to consecrate oil, like seven days. 
When they got to the temple, they had to repurify it because it had been defiled. And there was only enough sacred oil for one day, and it took seven days to make more, you see. So the oil for one day lasted eight, during which time they were able to consecrate more oil. So this is the festival of lights. Our Jewish brothers and sisters put this in their window to show a little bit of light goes a long way with God. I'm convinced the Advent wreath comes from the Hanukkah. And here we are in Advent. Last week we lit the candle of hope. Of course, there's this funny thing we do in English. English has more words than pretty much any language in the world, 540,000. Hebrew has 10,000 words. And yet we often find ourselves using words interchangeably like wishing and hoping, which have nothing to do with each other. Usually we say, man, I hope the sermon's short today. What we really mean is, I wish it will be short. <laughs> I wish it would cool off outside. That would be the proper word. We can't hope it's going to cool off. Let me tell you why. We can't do anything about it. Wishing is passive. <coughs> hope is active. Hope is sort of like setting a smart goal, confident that God can do more than we can ask or imagine. I wish people would be kind. But Advent invites us to hope we will be kind. You hear the difference? I hope we will be kind, which means I better practice that with my family and my friends and the people I don't like. And quite honestly, the way Advent works, we were confronted with a lot of problems on Christ the King Sunday. And hope reminds us we often hope for the wrong things. We hope people would just leave us alone with their cockamamie schemes instead of hoping for the church to be one body on earth as it will be in heaven. We hope people will vote the way we do instead of hoping we can have meaningful dialogue with people who disagree. Maybe you don't need more hope. But I think we all need real hope. Today we light the candle of peace. And you know one of the great things about having a day school here at St. Thomas is that children say the most delightful turns of phrase. So five years ago I asked kids, what is peace? And somebody very eagerly raised her hand in the second grade and said, peace is what you have after you step on a cockroach. <laughs> Until you realize that your shoe is going to spread their eggs all over the house. Um, it, it is this interesting thing, what we will call peace. To be honest, most teachers I know, and when I'm talking to young kids, when we use the word peace, what we really mean is quiet. <laughs> Give me some peace, sometimes, and quiet, as if those are synonyms. And I'd like to remind you that quiet has nothing to do with peace. We celebrate this song every Christmas Eve, Silent Night, which is not about the baby Jesus. It's about an organ that lost power in Bavaria, so they had to use a guitar. The worst thing that can happen in the delivery room is the baby is silent. We're reminded that babies make noise because they're alive, and that peace is about life. Now, our kids are really good. You say to a kid, what's the opposite of tall? And they know it's short. You say, what's the opposite of fat? And they say thin. 
And all of you know the opposite of war is peace. But of course, what happens in war is my way over yours, collateral damage, destruction, which means the opposite of those is not quiet. The opposite of those is reconciliation. The opposite of those is creation. The opposite of those, instead of my way over yours, is finding a way to walk together. That's the peace we're invited to in Advent, which quite honestly, most of the time, I don't even want. I'd be happy if you'd just leave me alone. And we come into church so God can say, hope for something bigger than that. Peace shall be bigger than that. I'm going to tell you, if you've been to Lessons and Carols before, I changed the readings. You probably noticed that. That's because the readings today are reflecting that this isn't just about us. The earth itself is hoping for peace. Hoping for peace. Creation is hoping to be set free from the bondage of the junk we settle for because it's easy and convenient and not right. And we get this image that is so much deeper than anything I can come up with that I've decided it must be right <laughs> from Isaiah. It's crazy. It's in that window over there, too. See over there on that, on that door, there's the Greek letter omega right under the exit sign. And in a circle, that's called a rose window. You see the red bits, they're roses. And in between, uh, on the outside of the roses, there's little blue circles. They show you in constellar form what the prophet Isaiah wrote. Here's a different uh, expression of it. This is what peace looks like in God's imagination. The wolf will lie down with the lamb. And the leopard will lie down with the kid. And the bear and the ox will eat together and their young will sleep in peace. And the lion will eat straw with the ox. That's nonsense. It's never going to happen. It's an image of God's peace in which predators and prey are reconciled. Most of the time, I don't want to see people who have preyed on me again. And if you ask me, would I rejoice to know that God will reconcile us after I die, like in heaven, I would not be very sure about that. And the prophet Isaiah is sure that if we can't do it now, God will do it for us later. And that that is joyful. So here's a new way of praying. Instead of asking God for what you want, reimagine the world as God sees it. Be preoccupied with God's version of peace instead of our version of quiet. This is a tough teaching. A tough teaching. It doesn't get rid of accountability. But of course, what it does is transforms dignity. We get another meditation today, and I did pick this one too. God is not slow in keeping God's word as people understand slowness. God takes time so we can all get on board without leaving anybody behind. 
Now, I don't like church words like discernment. I'd rather just make a decision. Discernment takes a long time, and how do you never know you got it right? And this is the promise. God discerns, and God waits on purpose because God cannot stand to lose anybody. And man, I like to get things done, so if you're not on board, we're just going to go ahead. Here's a reminder about how God pursues peace. It's not just for us in the room. God's version of peace is about drawing humanity itself and creation to the holy city of Zion. All of us, especially the ones I don't want coming in. And we hear this beautiful story today about John the Baptist. John the Baptist is also repeating scripture. He's leading into the voice of the prophet Isaiah. And this is very familiar. If you hear Handel's Messiah, it's the opening number, Every Valley Shall Be Exalted. That line was written uh, 2,500 years ago when the people who lived around Jerusalem had been taken by Babylonians about 2,000 miles from Jerusalem to Babylon, and they were living in exile far from home. They were not living in the holy city. They were living in the city that people made. The cities we settle for. Now look, when you've got a lot of people, 2,000 miles, camels, ox carts, grandmas, sheep, people with bum ankles, little babies, and the way to the desert goes like this, it's pretty treacherous. It's also a desert. In the desert, proclaim. Every valley shall be exalted, and every hill laid low. And that's so there can be a superhighway to the city of God. A superhighway, paving the desert, telling people who are in the desert, God would draw you to the heavenly city even while you live in this one. Isaiah probably didn't have in mind my home in this neighborhood. Isaiah probably had in mind those apartments across the street. The fourth ward. You think, where are the deserts? And the call for the church every Advent is to cultivate the kind of peace that creates a super highway to the heavenly city, which will be here says Revelation, will be here if we can start to cultivate hope, peace, joy, and love. Now here's this really last interesting bit about peace. Uh, many of you know that I have found angelic messengery in the Richard Brene Brown, and her latest book, Atlas of the Heart, talks about the experience of peace. And one of the things she says about peace, because all of this sounds like hard work, and it is, <laughs> is that there's this sort of underlying thing that holds up peace, which is wonder. About six years ago, I was hiking in Flagstaff, Arizona, while I was in a clergy week. It's going to sound crazy. And I was on the phone with my wife. And I walked pretty fast. And somehow, thank God, I took a step and I heard this noise that I hadn't really heard since I was a kid. It didn't sound like I thought it would sound, but I recognized instantly that that was a rattle. 
Now, thanks be to God, I've stopped. Because <laughs> about three feet away from me was a seven-foot rattlesnake. And it wasn't just coiled. I mean, it was, it was prepared. I was talking to my wife on the phone, and I said, oh, honey, hang on, there's a rattlesnake. <laughs> I'm just going to back up. You turn around, right? It sends a bad message. So we just sort of back up slowly. I did not continue with the hike. I went back to my car. But I want to tell you, the interesting thing was in that moment, I, I knew it was serious. And I also, I don't know why. This is like one of the few times in my life I felt such wonder. Wonder in the middle of something that could be potentially threatening. Wonder and awe and connection. And maybe it was something I ate this morning. But what I have read in the book we read last year as a parish called um, Deep Survival is that what survivors have in common, whether in hurricanes or with rattlesnakes or in avalanches, is that they, instead of, instead of taking on a spirit of terror, they're able somehow to be connected with awe and wonder. And I want to suggest to you it is in fact all and wonder that enable us to cultivate and pursue peace. Our scriptures testify to this, all of them, that in the middle of what seems to be earth going to hell in a handbasket, there's all in wonder in that basket. And if it seems like we're taking a long time to get there, it's so we can all get there together. As the African proverb says, if you want to get somewhere really fast, go by yourself. If you want to get somewhere really far, go together. And here I put before us is our Advent invitation. God has a different version of peace than we settle for. And we are invited to stretch into it. God is preoccupied with things that we usually are not preoccupied with, and we're invited to hope with God so that we all get there together, wolves and sheep, leopards and kids, bears and oxen, and children can play over the den of the ass. Don't do that literally. Live into this vision at home, at work, and with people on the TV that you know you hate. Please join me as we pray our faith in the words of the Nicene. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty,
prayers of the people. Father, we pray for your holy Catholic Church. That we all may one. Grant that every member of the Church may truly and humbly serve you. That your name may be glorified by all people. We pray for Michael, our presiding bishop, for Andy, Hector, Jeff, and Kay, our bishops. In the diocesan cycle of prayer, San Mateo, Bel Air, San Romero, Houston, and Santa Maria Virgin, Houston, for Justin, Archbishop of Canterbury, for the priest in our community, Mike, Craig, Jim, Bill, and Lillian, and for all bishops, priests, and deacons. We pray for all who govern and hold authority in the nations of the world for all the members of the armed forces, and for all who struggle for peace and justice, that they may act with prudence and vision to plant the seeds of your kingdom everywhere. We pray for our parish and our vestry. We pray for St. Thomas the Apostle School, for those who teach, and those who learn. Give us grace to do your will in all that we undertake. Have compassion on those who suffer from any grief or trouble. Give to the departed eternal rest, especially violet. We praise you for St. Thomas the Apostle and your saints who have entered into joy. May we also come to share in your Let us give thanks for our blessings and pray for our own needs and those of others, especially Chris, Sean, Ken, Nancy, Amber, and those the congregation wishes to name at this time, silently or aloud. Almighty God, by your Holy Spirit, you have made us one with your saints in heaven and on earth. Grant that in our earthly pilgrimage, we may always be supported by this fellowship of love and prayer and know ourselves to be surrounded by their witness to your power and mercy. We ask this for the sake of Jesus Christ, in whom all our intercessions are acceptable through the Spirit, and who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Let us confess our sin against God and our neighbor.
God of all mercy, we confess that we have sinned against you, opposing your will in our lives. We have denied your goodness in each other, in ourselves, and in the world you have created. We repent of the evil that enslaves us, the evil we have done, and the evil done on our behalf. Forgive, restore, and strengthen us through our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we may abide in your love and serve only your will. Amen. Almighty God, who in Jesus Christ has given us a family that cannot be destroyed, forgive your sin. Open your eyes and heart to truth and new life. Strengthen you to do God's will and live joyfully into God's family. Amen. It's no accident we talk about the peace of the Lord. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Good morning, peace, and thank you for worshiping with us at St. Thomas today. Uh, if you're new to this or haven't done this before, in the room right behind this one, it's called the Narthex. It's also got the tile floor. Uh, you'll find these little cards that say welcome, and we'd be tremendously grateful if you fill one of these out if you haven't done this before, so we have a record of your visit, and thanks for worshiping with us. Uh, there are a few announcements I want to call to your attention, but very first, it is the first Sunday in December. So if you were born this fine month, I'd like to invite you forward so that we can celebrate your birthday and ask God's blessing on you next year. Okay, well, happy birthday, Jesus. We know that happens later. <laughs> okay, well, a few other things to raise up for you. Um, this Thursday, our day school, which is our most visible ministry in the community, right? Five days a week, the parking lot is full because of the school. Uh, we'll be putting on its annual musical Christmas program at 6.30. You're warmly invited if you would like a little more Christmas cheer. <laughs> 6.30, and they'll have a reception afterward. It's shorter than an hour, and as always, I mean, I can deliver on this. You will leave having smiled at least one time. Uh, the following Thursday, the 16th. This will be earlier in the morning at 8.15. Our day school kindergarten will put on a nativity play. Again, I can promise you at least one smile. I'm even going to tell you when it's going to come, and you're still going to do it if you come. The narrator says, Mary and Joseph had traveled a long way and they were very tired. And then two five-year-olds say, we are very tired. <laughs> so that will be next Thursday at 8.15 in the morning and it is amazing. So those are two opportunities to get yourself more into the Christmas season. Now I want to say, if you find yourself not in the Christmas season, which is absolutely okay, we have a service two weeks from today at 4.30 in the afternoon that is called the longest night. That's because it comes close to the winter solstice, which is the shortest day of the year. It is not a service for everybody, but it is a service in which we're able to name authentically, openly. We don't always feel in the season, especially if there are things like grief and anxiety and uncertainty that we're carrying. I don't know anybody not carrying one of those because of the pandemic. Uh, that said, it's not for everybody. It is sober and it's honest and we leave nourished from God's table. So that's two weeks from today. 
it is not too early to plan around your Christmas services here. So I'm going to tell you what they are. Christmas Eve is on a Friday this year, and there are three opportunities on Friday. There's a 3.30 in the afternoon. This is what we call the family service with a spontaneous Christmas pageant. It is 45 minutes. The sermon is three minutes. I mean, it really is three minutes. Uh, and kids can come a little early, like at 3.15, get a costume, and be part of a living activity as we read the godly play version of the Christmas story. It's actually really, really nice. That's at 3.30. At 5 o'clock, our choir will be here with our harpist, and it will be a high solemn Eucharist at 5. At 9 o'clock, the choir and the harpist will do some solos and lead some carol singing. At 9.30, we start Midnight Mass, because it's midnight somewhere. So um, 9.30, we'll do that, and that service is followed by champagne and chocolate in the hallway as we sort of go out. No service Christmas Day. On Sunday the 26th, one service at 9 a.m. One service on the 26th at 9 a.m. So these are the holiday services. Um, Lessons and carols is a lot of work. It's lovely to hear all of these promises and how we can resonate with them both in word and song. Garmin, we don't know how you do what you do. And a lot of times we don't clap in church, but it is a way we show appreciation for Garmin and the choir and for Ben. Thank you. And now continue to walk in peace. As Christ first loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
All things come of thee, O Lord. This is the table not of the church, but of Jesus Christ. It is made ready for those who love him and those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much peace and you who have little, you who have been here often and you who have not been for a long time or ever before, you who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come. Not because the church invites you, it is Christ. And he invites you to meet him here. The Lord be with you. unto thee, O Lord, Holy Father Almighty, everlasting God, because thou didst send thy beloved Son to redeem us from sin and death, and make us heirs in him of everlasting life, that when he shall come again in power and great triumph to judge the world, we may without shame or fear rejoice to behold his appearing. And therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify thy glorious name evermore praising thee and singing. suffer death upon the cross for our redemption. He made there a full and perfect sacrifice for the whole world and did institute, and in his holy gospel command us to continue a perpetual memory of that, his precious death and sacrifice, until his coming again. For in the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, and when he given thanks to thee, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, Jesus took the cup of wine. And when he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for all for the remission of sin. Do this as oft as ye shall drink it in remembrance of me. Wherefore, O Lord and Heavenly Father, we thy people do celebrate and make with these thy holy gifts which we now offer unto thee, the memorial thy Son hath commanded us to make. Having in remembrance his blessed passion and precious death, 
his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension, and looking for his coming again with power and great glory. And we most humbly beseech thee, O merciful Father, to hear us, and with thy word and Holy Spirit to bless and sanctify these gifts of bread and wine, that they may be unto us the body and blood of thy dearly beloved Son, Jesus Christ. And we earnestly desire thy fatherly goodness to accept this, our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, whereby we offer and present unto thee, O Lord, ourselves, our souls and bodies. Grant, we beseech thee, that all who partake of this holy communion may worthily receive the most precious body and blood of thy Son, Jesus Christ, and be filled with thy grace and heavenly benediction. And also that we and all thy whole church may be made one body with him, that he may dwell in us and we in him, through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord. By whom and with whom and in whom, in the unity of the Holy Ghost, all honor and glory be unto thee, O Father Almighty, world without end. Amen. Amen. And now as our Savior Christ hath taught us, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah, Christ, our Passover is sacrificed for us. These are the gifts of God for you, the family of God. Come and eat peacefully with the resolution and understanding that we will continue to struggle and God will always sustain us as we sustain one another. Come and feast.
Let's pray together. God of abundance, you have fed us with the bread of life and cup of salvation. You have united us with Christ and one another. And you have made us one with all your people in heaven and on earth. Now send us forth in the power of your spirit that we may proclaim your redeeming love to the world and continue forever in the risen life of Christ our Savior. Amen. Any time, day or night, at home or in the street, wherever we are, we live bathed in God. If we always kept this in mind, it would be impossible to sin. So may God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless you with an awareness of holiness in the communion of saints in heaven and on earth, this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen. <laughs>
which is true. But... 